Tony Woodday, the Energy Program Director at the Grattan Institute, in regards to the fact that we're all being told our electricity bills are likely to stay high, not, not just for this year, for years, the country lagging on a transition to renewable energy. The federal government pledging to triple the amount of renewable energy in the grid by around 2030. But industry execs today, front page of The Australian, say the nation is not building enough green power. Delays in uh, snowy mountains 2.0. There's uh, coal-fired plants closing all over the place and not enough picking up that slack. Uh, government's over-promising and under-delivering, it seems. Tony, good morning. Thank you for your time. Good morning, Matthew. So we, we are falling behind, aren't we, in, in getting on the... Re- South Australia's done it, but the rest of the country, we can't hold up uh, everyone everywhere. <laughs> well, yes, and South Australia, as far as I know, still is still part of the country. So yes. that's why things are getting a bit tricky. Um, because, as I'm sure you and some of your listeners know, that at times South Australia produces more than all the electricity it needs from wind and solar yes. and exports very generously to me in Victoria... But other times when the wind isn't doing so much, and it's, you know, then it goes the other way. But of yep. course, what happens if I haven't got the coal-fired power to supply you when your wind isn't blowing and my wind isn't blowing either? So this is getting messy. Um, it was always going to be lumpy, but a few things have made it more difficult than people were expecting. And you've got to deal with the reality. You can't deal with dreams all the time, so or even objectives. So the point is, can we get this back on track with real focus and real effort? Or are we looking at some further extensions of the of the operational activities, that is the physical activity of getting it built? And if we do so, if we try and do it faster, yeah. does that mean that the hoped for um, reductions in prices are going to be delayed? All right. Victoria in particular, and, and this is a big part of it at the moment, is hoping to build offshore wind farms. Uh, is that viable? Is it is it nearer or further off? I think it is viable and it's getting nearer. I mean, the good news here is that... Um, you know, other parts of the world have already done done it. That mm. is, they're putting in offshore wind farms. The big advantage of offshore wind farms is they're not sitting on someone's farm property and running into the same community concerns that um, onshore wind farms can have, not always, but can have. You're still, most likely, if you do them off the coast of Victoria, you'll still be able to see them from the coast. I mean, you know, five to seven kilometres. They're pretty tall, you know, a couple of hundred metres high, yeah. these new ones. Some of them um, could even, I'm not sure they'll be in Victoria, but they could even be floating. So the technology is well understood. They will be more expensive than doing them onshore, as you might expect that putting something out in Bass Strait is not simple. Um, And then you've got to still get the electricity onshore. And um, people are doing all that planning right now as we speak effectively, Matthew. So I can see this is coming. It won't solve all the problems because even though you get more consistent wind offshore, there's also times when you don't get much wind at all. So we've still got to deal with this issue of building enough storage and transmission to move electricity around or store it when we don't have it being generated in the places we'd like. So, okay, let's look at storage and the batteries. And here in South Australia, mm-hmm. what now the best part of uh, six years, seven years, mm. we, we had the, the big Tesla battery go in. And <clears throat> over that period, I mean, we know that, for instance, with uh, EV batteries, car batteries, they degrade over time. They can't charge as quickly or hold as much charge. Is the same going to happen to our battery here? And, and if so, how, how long have we got? Oh, the, 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 the car battery situation, I mean, you remember, I'm sure, back when we, all of our batteries we used to have in all of our, you know, we didn't have rechargeable batteries. No. And if we did, you had to sort of run them flat before you could recharge them and all that sort of stuff. Well, that all changed fundamentally with the lithium-ion technology. Now, um, you still have uh, a, a limited number of cycles for many of the batteries we have, but they're, you know, certainly into the 
eight, nine, ten, twelve years and more. So that's not going to be an issue yet. Okay. Um, the interesting thing about the, um, well, as you said, was the world's biggest battery. It's probably no longer the world's biggest yeah. battery because people, not just over, but in Australia as well, other parts of Australia, and in, including South Australia, people looking at putting even bigger batteries because we are going to need short-term and probably longer-term storage because batteries are fantastic for short-term storage, maybe even up to four to six hours, even though that one that we've got in South Australia doesn't hold, can't deliver that much electricity for more than an hour or so. Okay. But when you think about um, longer-term storage, then we might, that's where pumped hydro and other ways of storing come into the play. All right, then. So, But we need more of these around the country, don't we? Correct. And... You know, and we need them. We need that and also being able to, the combination of storage and being able to move electricity from where we've got it to where we haven't got it yeah. is absolutely critical as we close down the coal-fired power stations. So if we're slowing down on the first, we've got to slow down on the second. And yeah. that's where the debate's going to occur. Yeah, so we we do need, from, from everything I'm reading and hearing today and, and even what you've said so far, it seems really apparent we do need to keep the coal-fired power stations operating for longer. It might be. And the only people who can, you know, you've got to put some really hard-nutted people together and have a very close look at, okay, this is what we thought was going to happen. This is what we now know is going to happen, remembering that none of this is certain, right? Because we're dealing with unexpected events, not things we can predict with, with absolute certainty. So you've got to have, like insurance, you've always got to have more demand than you actually think you're going to use just to meet those things that could go wrong. Like, for example, as we know they will, coal-fired power stations are getting less reliable. The wind and sun, whilst it's over the year, is very reliable. Day to day, it's not. So we've got to make sure they catch up. And right now, I think the trick is a lot of things aren't going on track. Let's make sure we've done the right analysis and concluded either we have to speed, or we have to slow down the closure of coal, or we've got other things we can do to avoid having to do that. But I think what's going on right now is crystallising why there needs to be a very hard-headed assessment and no wishful thinking about this. See, I'm very harsh on governments for this because when Paul Keating came up with the national electricity market, it's all very well to come up with something, but then they walked away and uh, sort of cleaned their hands of it. Uh, in the meantime, we're all paying the, the high power prices and everyone's just shrugging their shoulders saying, well, something needs to be done. Uh, how long, how, how much further do you reckon we can endure the pain? Because the, the word is it's going to last for years. Well, I think the... Most likely, and again, even everything I'm saying to you can change if, if, if things don't go according to the, yeah. best, the, the best situation. But the best information we have we now is that, look, we all know, and as of the first of next month, it's getting very close, get electricity prices are going to go up yep. by about 20-odd percent yep. in South Australia. Mm -hmm. That's very painful for people whose cost of living is under pressure, right? Now, if you are in a situation where you're on, on some sort of support mechanism, then you will be entitled to uh, 500 bucks back. That helps but it's a one-off. So um, that's where we sit, the things are at the moment. You would have expected that all the problems that happened last year for which the 1st of July price increases will pay for are now behind us. So you'd like everything else being there for you, you would expect that maybe prices should start to come down yeah. this time next year. Well, the problems we're seeing right now, it's not clear exactly how long they're going to last for and how bad it is, but they're becoming concerning. Yeah, that's right. So and, and you wouldn't... 
we wouldn't rule out prices. Not They might not go up, but they might not go down either. No, that's right. And as we look for solutions, that's only going to make things dearer. That solution ultimately is passed on down to consumers through the, the price of power, generally, and uh, or, or taxes at least. I mean, building an interconnected New South Wales, as we're doing, is not cheap in the, the billion-dollar mark or, or more, and uh, we're, uh, we're going to be paying for that just to bring power into the state. Like I think it's, we all know that we're going to pay for it one way or the yeah. other, right? So, yeah. um, and we've got to be confident that we can do these things in the way that overall produces the, the outcome we want at the lowest possible cost. And yeah. I think the, you know, overall, I think the transmission line in New South Wales will be valuable. Um, but it's a bit like taking out insurance, right? I mean, if you've been paying insurance all your life and you don't die, you say, well, that was a waste of money, wasn't it? <laughs> well, ultimately, yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, appreciate your insights. Thank you. Indeed. Thanks, Tony Woods there from uh, the Grattan Institute.